2: we Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Pretty interesting, the day today is on Wall Street, in my opinion. This is a day where Apple is going to release new product. And probably this is the most boring one that no one's really expecting uh, any big surprise coming out of Apple in the USA Today, the, the headline is Apple's latest iPhone success is already a bore. So there's nothing. There's no sizzle. And I own shares of Apple, and I, I want to let you know that I think Apple's going to eventually become like a Dell, where at one point in time, you know, you got to have a Dell. It had a premium product concept to it. Um, there was a $2,500 computer, and then it became a $2,000 computer, then it became a $1,500 computer. And we went from a Pentium 286, 386, 486, then we went to the Pentiums. And now, what are, where are we even at? How are they naming them? The I-57s, nines, or something along those lines? Um, people don't care. Unless you're playing video games and you really want the highest-end, craziest features, people don't seem to care as long as the computer essentially works. like recently got picked up Windows 10. I um, basically upgraded it from Windows 7. It's great. I truly enjoy it. It's a nice operating system, but I'm not going to go out and buy a new Dell or uh, upgrade my computer. And Apple's eventually going to run into that. Now, Apple has some other differenti- differentiating uh, features, but we're not... The 6-megapixel camera, camera, the 12-megapixel camera, I can we even tell anymore? Yes, you could probably do side-by-sides with Samsung and say Samsung's camera is better than Apple, so there are some things that they could improve, right? But shares of Apple have fallen 6% in the 30 days prior to the anticipated announcement of the iPhone success. We're going to see some other things that come out, but I think it's lost its sizzle, and I think, you know, is that the beginning of the end? No, no. They've got a lot of other things going for them that uh, Dell didn't have, including um, an ecosystem, which is critically important that they've created. Um, their music, it's okay. I got Apple Music, and, you know, it doesn't terribly work right with my desktop. My phone's completely different music experience than my desktop, and that's kind of... Uh, And the playlists aren't quite right. And that's... uh, But we're also going to see the Apple TV come out with a second version. Well, I guess this is the third version, but um, it'll be bigger. It'll cost twice as much. Um, We'll see if it has any, you know, killer features. We know it's going to have its own store so that app developers can start developing games for the Apple TV, which will be nice. It'll be nice. Um, how much storage does it have? Is it really trying to compete with the Xbox 360? Uh, that would be interesting. Uh, maybe not this one, maybe the next one, right? So you're kind of seeing where they're going with that. It's supposed to have a passive component to it where you're going to be able to say, Siri, what football games are on today? And the TV will hear you and spring to life and show you what games are. It, it, that's what we're expecting. Will that be there? Uh, Tough to say. We're going to get, you know, a bigger iPad and a smaller iPad. And we're going to get some new Macs today and probably start seeing the operating system 2.0 for the watch. Uh, But when USA Today says Apple's latest iPhone s 6S is already a bore, uh, it's no longer a thing. So, yes, I will tune in as they do their announcements today, but... Really, that's because it's my job versus true interest. Um, Just of note, I think uh, USA Today's kind of got that one right. It's pointed out in the Stock Traders' Almanac that September has been the worst month average for the market. Why that is remains open for debate. One theory is that portfolio managers come back from vacation and they kind of clean house. This year, however, they did a lot of cleaning before Labor Day, which opened the door. It seemed for a nice rally after Labor Day, which occurred Uh, Later in the year this year So Tuesday We had a broad-based advance and saw the three major averages gain between 2.4 and 2.7 percent That's a feel-good story a little bit too much too fast um, In my opinion Uh, The S&P 500 is up slightly today, but it's creeped back since from where it opened uh, same thing with the Dow, same thing with the NASDAQ. Crude oil sits at $46, dollars 45.75 a barrel. Ten-year uh, treasuries showing a little bit of strength today, ticking higher, so 2.24%. So people are generally feeling pretty good with the economy. But back to the markets. Um, uplifting trade data today out of Germany, the world's fourth largest economy as a catalyst, never mind that the trade data out of China, the world's second largest economy, was lousy. Um, so it's one of those games where you're putting together a deck of cards, and you know, okay, uh, this one's good, this one's bad. And for some reason, we're focusing on the good one. So with Germany, it's an important distinction out there to say that, you know, China is different than Germany, for sure. And the assumption that China's weak data will trigger new fiscal stimulus is probably what turns their lousy numbers into woo-hoo, a positive for our markets and even a positive for China's markets. The world has a sickness right now. We are addicted to easy easy monetary policy. And in theory, we want to get off of it. But it's tough. It's like that you know, cup of coffee. Try quitting it. It's like that, you know, habit where you have three or four beers a day. Try quitting it. It's tough to get off of it. So, Japan's Nikkei surged 7.7% today, tied in large part by Prime Minister Abe, pushing an aim to cut the corporate tax rate by at least 3.3 percentage points in the next financial year. So, their market surges on the idea of cutting corporate taxes. Interesting. The biggest one-day move for the case since October 2008 when financial markets around the world were reeling from the Lehman Brothers bankruptcy. And there was just, you know, jolt after jolt, uh, fit-up, fit-down kind of thing going on. The uh, U.S. has potential to get into the act coming in the next couple of weeks as far as us being the story instead of China and Germany and Japan because of our Federal Reserve policy. Uh, will they or won't they raise interest rates in September? So I honestly would like them to, just to get it over with. Uh, and, yeah, there would be some fits tied towards it, but we'll get over that too. So some revenue warnings today out of Fairchild Semiconductor and Kulik and Sofa. Um, there's a 6.2% decline in the latest reading for mortgage applications and a reduced third-quarter outlook from operator railroad operator CSX, The corporate data today is not good. Uh, Big Apple event today. That's what everyone's going to be probably leaving work talking about on Wall Street. Uh, Was it enough to move the stock? We'll see. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Don't forget to get a big event coming up Thursday on income and retirement in Pleasanton. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, more. Thanks for listening to the show. A lot of people have concerns about the Federal Reserve raising interest rates and what that'll do to the housing. Uh, keep in mind that the Federal Reserve has kept interest rates at a low, low, low cost of money for a long time, which has helped the consumer balance sheet get back into shape. A lot of corporate balance sheets as well. It's been largely successful. And I think the steady improvement in the housing market should persist for another year, maybe two. Uh, Supported by favorable demographics, constrained supply of new homes. Um, And the mortgage market should be okay when the Federal Reserve does raise interest rates. Uh, You'll see the long end not move too much. Expectations is for it to creep up to about 4.3% at the end of 2016. Let's bring on CFP Chad Burton. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. Here to answer one of the biggest questions that everyone has, how much money do I need for retirement? Or maybe how much do I need? Maybe not even money. How much do I need for retirement? Chad?
3: Well, if you can if you could tell me exactly how much you're going to spend, okay. uh, exactly how long you're going to live, I can tell you the exact number. Oh, oh. by the way, also, Rob, you have to exactly tell me what your risk tolerance is and how you're going to invest. What is There's risk tolerance? There's so many variables here. Risk tolerance is your ability to deal with volatility without making massive mistakes. So the more aggressive you are, the more long-term rewards you can get if you don't sell when there's corrections. For example, you know small caps in, in emerging markets, long-term rates of return have been very stellar, but you're talking about periods of 20 to 35% declines for emerging markets that can happen, followed by periods of 60% gains. So you can get rewarded over the long run if you can stomach it in the near term. So there's some people that get into retirement, and they go through this process of working, 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 feeding this portfolio, focusing on a number that they need to retire. And then once they retire, they can't handle, they can't, if, if the market's in correction mode, they can't even function. They can't go play golf and forget about it. They're, they're nervous. They're losing sleep at night, wondering how long their money's going to last, wondering what their withdrawal strategy is, and they end up investing in, you know, 10-year treasuries and and CDs and things like that. That type of person, you know, th- they're going to have to save a lot more for retirement than the type of person that's willing to deal with a balanced portfolio, three years' worth of expenses in cash, and uh, keeping their withdrawal rates on track. So... What I mean by that is that, you know, the first five years to 10 years especially, you don't over-withdraw above your financial plan. What you do in the first 10 years is very specific. So what you can do is as long as you've said, okay, this is how much I need to live and based on where your accounts are. Because a person that has 100% of their assets Rob, and 401Ks or IRAs that has not been taxed yet, they need more money than a person that has a little bit of 401K, Roth, and taxable accounts. That person is more tax-diversified. They'll pay less taxes in retirement. So it's a hard question to answer because it depends on where you've saved your money. Do you own real estate? Do you own 401Ks? Do you own Roths? All those types of things. It's somewhere between, for conservative people, you can take everything you're going to spend, including taxes, and divide it by you know, either 2% or somewhere between 2 and 4%, depending on how aggressive you're going to be. So it's probably more than you think, and it's based on taxes, risk tolerance, and how long you're going to
2: live. Quick question, though. I often say on radio, you're going to need at least a million dollars to pay you $40,000 in, of income in retirement, and that's going to get taxed probably, uh, depending on how you saved it, Roth IRA, or what have you. Um, do you use that basic idea, or am I kind of misleading people a bit? Or help me, help me talk it, through this. So what you're talking about is the 4% draw
3: rate yep. that was developed in the 90s. Um, And in the 1990s, you have to look at what interest rates were doing, which were on bonds were paying about 6 percent and dividend yields were closer to 3 Uh, percent. Both of those numbers are cut in half now. So there has been growth in the share prices of stocks, but the current income has been lower. So assuming that you can stick with that draw rate in the next 10 to 15 years, Without running into some difficulties and living into age 100, it's under challenge, Rob. It's absolutely under challenge in the old traditional way of retirement planning, um, which is, you know, balance portfolio, draw 4% a year, increase it with 3% inflation each year, and you'll be okay till you're 95. Um, Well, yeah, if inflation remains at zero, then that'll allow us to deal with 3% bond rates. But we're going to go through a transition period. So, um, I think the, the, the safer number is definitely 3%, and on top of the 3%, that has to include things like long-term care insurance or plans to be able to pay for nursing home costs, because if you live till 75%, 60% chance you're going into a nursing home. That's not in your financial plan, more than
2: likely. So Fair I enough. think that 4% draw rate is a, is a little aggressive. Okay. Thanks very much. That's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. What I got out of that is... It's different for all people. So where you live is gonna make a huge uh, issue, but you also have to have a budget and it's kind of not science as much as it is an art form of pulling that money out correctly. And some years are gonna be easier than others. You can find CFP Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. That's what he does. He's a financial planner. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing in more Meet Myself and CFP Chad Burton at an event Thursday night, tomorrow night in Pleasanton. Tied towards income and retirement. How to set up a portfolio that works for you in good economies and bad economies, in up markets and in down markets. Um, so, tomorrow night in Pleasanton, you can sign up for the event, six thirty to nine o'clock. Sign up at robblack dot com. That's robblack.com. dot com. Markets are struggling a bit today, uh, barely moving. Uh, the Dow's up six, the SP 500 up one, the Nasdaq up three. Today's a big day for Apple. They've got their release of the new phones, um, new iMac, iPads, iMac. They got some product coming. Uh, television probably, probably an operating system 2.0 for the watch. Uh, start giving some developers some time to start thinking about what the next watch is going to look like and what it can and can't do. So Apple shares a little bit lower today. There was a headlines in the USA today that was like Apple's new watch. Boring. So uh not good, right? It It is a lot like the semiconductors uh Intel in the 80s and the 90s where we went from 386s to 486s to uh 286 to 386 to 486 pentiums and pentium one pentium two pentium three pentium four and the the material changes were pretty huge and then we kind of just got bored in the last five to ten years i haven't been reading about uh new intel semiconductors even though they're good and even though they're better it just it's kind of lost a little bit of its sex appeal apple now has to continue to build out its uh, ecosystem to support the iphone Um, so another phone is coming. So we'll find out what that is later today. Uh, I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Don't forget you can sign up for the event Thursday evening at in Pleasanton. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. That's robblack.com.
1: Oh, yeah. It's business time. It's business. It's business time. I don't know what you're trying to say. You're trying to say it's time for business. It's business time. Ooh. It's business. It's business time. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. That's all i Back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. If you're hearing business time, it's Dr. Jeff
2: Rosen with briefing.com. How are you, Dr. Jeff? Oh, pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing well today. Uh, short week. <laughs> labor Day. How's labor looking in America these days? Uh, uncertain. Uncertain. <laughs> I think
4: that uh, things are improving. Things have been steadily improving, but things haven't improved uh, in the scale that most people have been expecting. Uh, The labor report that came out last week, I think, was decent. Um, It was nice to see there was an uptick in the amount of hours that people were working. It was was nice to see a slight acceleration in the hourly wage. Uh, Total job growth was a little disappointing, but it's still you know, averaging out over the last 12 months of over 200,000 jobs per month, which is good. Uh, You know, so in that respect, things are fine. Uh, It's just things could always get better.
2: Okay. Um, The JOLTS report that came out this morning, uh, it's said to be one of Janet Yellen's favorite indicators. What is the JOLTS report? Why should we care? So the jobs
4: report lists the total number of jobs that are open, and then it also lists how many people were hired that month and how many people quit or were fired that month. Uh, basically, what it, it gives you an idea of how tight the labor market is, because the, uh, the, the the theory goes that the more jobs you have open, the tighter the labor market. Because if the labor market was uh, loose or there were a lot of people looking for jobs, then Companies wouldn't have any openings. You know, people would 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 fill them as soon as they were available. So, if you look at the numbers from July, you had nearly six million jobs open, which suggests that businesses are having a really difficult time finding labor to fill those jobs. You know, basically, it's saying that you know the unemployment rate of 5.1 percent, which is below CBO's estimate of full employment, is realistically a, a more accurate indicator than previously expected because if there were a lot of people that were just on the fringe of the job market, were on the fringe of looking for a job, if you you know walk around and you see all these job openings, you'd say, you know, why am I waiting on the sidelines? Let's let's start looking for a job because I should be able to find one. Now the flip side was that uh, the number of people hired last month in July was, you know, fairly weak, especially considering this total number of job openings. So the question is is you know are businesses having difficulty finding you know talent to hire which would explain you know high job openings and, and low hiring rates or our businesses still looking for the absolute perfect candidate meaning that they're willing to hire someone if the person that is perfect walks the door but until that person walks the door they're not willing to you know hire maybe a lesser candidate and train them because they don't want that expense and if that's the case, then the labor market still is, you know, kind of weak. You know, it's not as strong as that number suggests, and uh, it makes things more difficult.
2: Is that an index that trends, and has it been the JOLTS report? Is that a report that trends, or is it just a month-to-month that fluctuates? It fluctuates a little bit. I mean, we, we've seen
4: the, the volatility isn't nearly as big as, you know, like claims data, for example, you can see, you know, big spikes one week and, and a big, uh you know, move you know, against it. And then the next week, it, it's more stable than that. And I mean, the, the only problem with it is that the report really has been only going around since uh I want to say to late 2000, early 2001. So there's not much data on previous recessions and the responses. So when you're looking at you know the evaluations of what's going on you're limited to just the 2001 recession and the you know slow go recovery after that so it makes it a little bit difficult uh prior to the BLS creating the jolts data you you get know, you a little bit more you know unusual data points to to do the same thing people would look at help wanted ads for example in newspapers and count them up and see how many help wanted ads and create an index based on that know, the problem with that today is that no one uses the newspaper anymore to find, uh, you know, jobs. So the the, the help wanted indexes are are pretty useless. Uh, You're seeing some newer stuff come on with, you know, online job markets to see how many jobs are being posted online to see if that creates a better idea. But it's still a limited database. And, again, it doesn't have the history behind it, so you can't really see trends as well.
2: Anything else that you're seeing in the economy that's starting to creep out as far as data goes? Yeah, I was looking at the data, you know, plugging in stuff for our surprise index
4: that we keep track of, and it was, I noticed that the surprise index turned negative uh, uh, on Monday, which is kind of unusual. I mean, things are still looking good in terms of what the actual growth rates are, but the um, the growth rates are starting to come in below what the expectations are. And, you know, that could be just a, a, a short-term blip, but it could be something to, to look at. Um, don't know quite why uh, economists are having a more you know, optimistic point of view compared to what the economy is doing. And again, this is just a four-week uh, moving average, so it's not that important. But I think the real big thing to look at now is, you know, is the Fed really going to raise interest rates next week? You know, what is the, the likelihood of that happening? I think most economists that I've talked to and most economists that, I've, you know, heard talk Uh, I still believe that a September rate hike is probably the most likely time for the for the first move Um, I think the data still says you know that holding off is probably a better choice I think the market right now if you're looking at the Fed futures still predicts December as the most likely outcome So there's still a discrepancy between what economists think and what uh, what the market is thinking And if you take that into consideration with the surprise index where economists are more optimistic than what's actually happening That makes much a lot of sense economists believe that a near-term hike would, make, would, would be in the cards where the data is really not pointing that direction.
2: How about the report that came out yesterday? I'm sure you can talk about this. The consumer credit. Uh, Americans took on $19.1 billion more in consumer credit debt in July. Uh, is that good or is that bad, or is it maybe both?
4: Um, that's a really difficult uh, number to look at. Uh, especially how volatile it is between revisions. I mean, right now we've been seeing strong consumer credit growth over the last 12 months. I think it's been averaging over 18.5. I want to say, a billion dollars a month. A lot of that has to do with the fact that the auto industry has uh, come around. So you're seeing strong growth and strong demand in durable goods, which is needed for credit. You know, it, it's good in respect that income growth has started to pick up, so we would expect credit growth or, or credit demand to start to pick up. I don't have the specifics, you know, to see how much of that is, you know, bad debt, for example, like, um, you know, people going out and spending on education that may not provide for them in the future or, you know, just bad purchasing, you know, like what people are buying in terms of, uh, you know, what they're putting on their credit card and what they're not. But, you know, in general, it's okay. It's what we would expect given the uh, improvements in income. And the improvements in asset wealth over the last few years
2: what about the wage component of the job market? everything that I seem to be reading again and again and again keeps coming back to yes people have jobs and yes there's you know people aren't quitting and panicking but the wage component is really the last one to come in will it come in will we start seeing wage growth or is this just the you New would America? expect it. and
4: i mean that's part of what the JOLTS report today is trying to tell you you know it's saying that if businesses are having a hard time finding um talent to fill these open positions if that's the case businesses really do want to hire someone then they're going to have to increase their wages in order to attract talent they're going to have to you know quote steal you know co- talent from their competition and in that respect you would expect you would see an increase in wages so far, you know, we've been moving to an unemployment rate that's at the full employment level or below the full employment level, and we're seeing lots of jobs open, but there's no competition for, for employment. The wage growth has been very stagnant. You know, we've been only seeing about 2% uh, growth year over year, which, you know, the Fed is expecting 2% inflation would be zero, you know, real growth in income, which is, which is bad. You know, we want to see you know, 4% nominal uh, income growth or 3% nominal income growth so that you have some real spending gains. And right now that's not happening. And, and there's a lot of concerns of why that's not happening.
2: Speaking with Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist at briefing.com. Um, the Federal Reserve and the housing market, they seem to be linked in a way that the Federal Reserve has kept borrowing costs very, very low. And that's helped me change my balance sheet When they start to raise interest rates, do you expect that to hit the mortgage market? How soon? There was
4: a a Fed paper that came out, uh, I want to say a few months ago from the New York Fed, that was looking at the interest rate sensitivity on um, home buying. And basically what they concluded was that small incremental changes in the mortgage rate doesn't have much of an effect on uh, buying homes. Their response more was that the down payment has a bigger uh, effect on Purchases, so if banks are still uh, need to have high down payments, then mortgage uh, applications will decline, and and you won't have as many purchases. But the fact that the Fed raises rates shouldn't have that much of an impact uh, to curtail uh, home buying activities. Now, you know, right now the biggest question though is that cost more to, to have a down payment because home prices have been appreciating you know, significantly over the last year. So you know what people thought that they could hold on to to, to get a down payment at 10%, now you know it's only worth 5% of the, of the new home, which is making it okay. more uh, difficult to, to buy something.
2: Thanks very much. It's Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist with Briefing.com. Always insightful, always helpful. You can find out more about Briefing.com by checking out Briefing.com. I start my day every day with page one. But anytime Dr. Jeff Rosen publishes something, I'm on that as well. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back. Rob Black in your money.
1: This is time too Black in your month on AM 1220, KDOW and iHeart Radio Station.
2: I'm Rob Black, talking money investing more. This is a show about getting into retirement. Make no mistakes about it. We do hit some headline news. We do say, hey, Asia stocks were higher today because things aren't good in China. Um, China wants us to think that they can grow at 7% a year, every year, forever. It's not going to happen. And they want us to think that they've got the the greatest stock market in the world. That's just not the truth. And it it looks like today we saw some numbers out of China come out that are hinting, 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 that they're having some problems. Um, You know, trade data out of China was lousy. So the idea here is is that because when I say they want us to think, I'm talking clearly about um, the Chinese government. So, and I don't know if that makes me a bad person, but uh, stimulus is not the best way to grow forever. Uh, as you'll see, like with Puerto Rico, they've got debt problems because... They took on too much debt and at some point in time you have to raise taxes or cut services and uh, i think a lot of economies around the world are are seeing that Uh, it's a weird time in the world i know it always is but what we're seeing as far as immigration in europe uh it is nutty and it seems to be getting worse right 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. We don't have enough calls on this show. Today, the big economic piece of news is job opening surge to a record high. There's plenty of jobs out there. Um, The NYU professor said something that I I find kind of fascinating. He basically said the only reason Yahoo hasn't fired Mercer Mayer is that she's pregnant with twins. And... Yesterday, the stock tanked on unfavorable news about its planned tax-free Alibaba spinoff, which it still could go their way, and they pay no taxes on it. But it's a big it's a big number of which way does it go. There's a precedent that other companies have done, you know, rolling out firms into private co's and then selling them that way. Um, but you're talking about a difference between ultimately uh, – difference between no tax, which is $23.4 billion, goes in the pockets of Yahoo, or 40% capital gains tax, which is more than $9 billion. Uh, the market's saying that they're going to get taxed, but history and tax code in the United States say that they're not. But that doesn't mean the IRS won't change their mind on this, because it could become a, a dramatic issue. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Uh, so, today's the big Apple d- uh, day where they launch phones. I don't think anyone's all that excited by it. Um, just saying. So, uh, not being mean, just saying that no one seems to be all that excited. So, uh, taking a look at some of the market numbers for the day. Uh, we started off gapping up because Asia and stimulus. Then the economic news started coming in today, and the stories: United CEO Jeff Smysek steps down amid a federal investigation. For some reason, the Port Authority's president uh, has a summer home in South Carolina, and United decided to set up a route from Newark to his summer home, I think it was Charleston, and it was unprofitable. And uh, the Port Authority also oversees airports in the area. So you're going, like, what did you not get out of this? And was it as bad as it looks? And apparently there's something there because he's gone. Macy's going to close 35 to 40 underperforming stores in early 2016. Wall Street likes that. It's an odd thing to say, but when you say you're going to cut things, Wall Street tends to like it, Uh, whether it's employees or underperforming assets and buildings. Dave & Buster's, the kid-friendly restaurant chain, blew the doors off with both revenue and earnings. Uh, Stores open at the same location, jumped 11% in sales. It's raising its full-year profit by a whopping 20%. Uh, Dave & Buster's has got a great ticker symbol, PLAY. Um, Those are pretty expensive buildings to run, but it's kind of turning into the new Chuck E. Cheese's for birthday parties. The men's warehouse... They top profit forecast, but revenue missed it in the second quarter. The men's warehouse was dragged down by sluggish demand at its Joseph A. Banks outlets, which saw sales at stores open at least a year slide 9.5%. TiVo in the news today, they match quarterly profit expectations while revenue top forecast. I'm surprised they're still around. TiVo says its top line was boosted by expanded relationships with cable partners, especially in international markets. I just don't know TiVo anymore. You know, It was one of those stocks that had such a great story of you know the DVR experience before there was a DVR experience, and then the cable companies just started copying and, you know, using their ideas. Um, so, for what it's worth. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Bring all the fiscal stimulus. That should be the note of the day, because Germany's economy uh, was sharp, was good, but China's was weak. Um, some weak guidance from railroad operator CSX Cool-looking sofa and Fairchild Semiconductor, both big players in semiconductors and semiconductor equipment, um, saying soft demand. So Apple hosted in its 2015 event today where they're going to show us phones. They're going to show us some new Macs and bigger and smaller iPads, uh, TV product. I think the one area that I'm going to be most interested in seeing is that TV product. Is it cool? Is it not cool? So you can meet me tomorrow night at the Sheraton Pleasanton Hotel, 5990 Stone Ridge Mall in Pleasanton, Um, 630 to 9. Retirement plan is more complicated than ever. It can be hard to know where to begin. Uh, I'm going to talk about the stock market and the economy. Some picks, some uh, dividend picks in retirement. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. It's robblack.com.